Welcome to the next episode of Splitting Cases. This episode is a versus episode. I don't think we've ever done one of those before, and I am well on one side of the camp, but I don't know about the other side, which is itself pretty camp. Yeah, I don't know if I really have a clear winner, but I think I'll wait till the topic's announced before I get into it. So maybe you can introduce our guest. Our guest today is Maynard. Maynard, where would we know you from? You might know me from my work on Triple J, from my work on Channel V on Foxtel, from all the stuff I've done on TV over the years, or from my many 70 or more podcasts that are on maynard.com.au. I'm currently working with Tim Ferguson from the Doug Anthony All-Stars on Bunga Bunga. I'm doing the occasional podcast, uh, What Double J Should Sound Like. I work with those guys sometimes. And I even do the uh, Skeptic Zone podcast. So extraordinary claims need extraordinary evidence and we have an extraordinary issue tonight <laughs> what is our subject tonight well i believe this sort of came up in a uh, some sort of uh, twitter exchange that we had sometime didn't it mm, yeah yeah it did. And, uh, something about the spice girls was mentioned and i brought up possibly the only one of the great leviathan movies that could come up against it and i mentioned can't stop the music village people and let's have can't stop the music versus spice world This is almost slightly generational because I can see. Um, oh yeah, I can that just almost just slightly. Point. I can see like an amazing amount of similarities between the Village People and the Spice Girls, apart from the genre of music we're talking about, but the looks, the style, the personalities of each member in the group. Like, there's a lot to compare. Well, just yeah. the fact that there is a personality for each member. Yeah. And, and they're both made up bands and they're both good fun. And But the only thing is that Village People are still going, still performing. That's true. And they're one of the hardest working bands in show business. Uh, they actually formed their own company called The Six of Us because the Village, <laughs> pe- uh, the, the village People were first... Uh, look, this is almost my specialty subject. Okay. The village, <laughs> village People were, were first formed uh, by Jacques Morali, a bunch of people in, in New York City yeah. and they were cast. And the construction worker, when I asked him, so how did you become the construction worker? He said, I turned up for a casting and they said, you'll be the construction worker. He went, okay. I went home, I told my dad, my dad was very happy. Yeah. Of course, because it's a very manly pursuit, being yeah. the construction worker of all of them. Well, look, and, and look, I've got, I've got a grab there when we talked to David Hodo, the construction worker. Yeah. And, and by the way, they, there's only two members that are not really the original members in there. Oh, really? A lot of people think that they all might have passed away or something. And the, the biker has passed away. The original leather man, Glenn Hughes, uh, died of, of cancer a few years ago. Yeah. Um, and But apart from him, um, the person they have being the cowboy now has been the cowboy with them since the movie 1980 that's awesome so when that happens is it kind of like the doctor that they regenerate yeah and there's someone else playing the same character in a slightly different style yeah, I've got to say, everyone's okay with the Doctor doing it, but in a band, you replace one member and it's sacrilege. Well, yeah, I mean, like, well, like, in excess, I mean, that you, they've had a couple of goes at a lead singer and it's just not in excess. Please just stop it and, and call yourself something well. else. Yeah, That did not go well. Yeah, not, you know, you would have thought... Tr- it didn't go well more than once. <laughs> yeah, well, you would think Terence Trent Darby might have been okay with it, but no. Pointy, how much experience do you have with either of these groups? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's get because I know where he's going to be coming from. You know where I'm coming from. Well, needless to say, 
because it's based on uh, our generation, I'll be siding with Spice World. Oh, I'll put that out there early. The Spice Girls, were you ever a fan? Uh, I can't say I was ever I a fan, but we did months. mention it briefly on, I think, one of our last episodes. So I did watch many of the Spice Girls clips at the time because I guess I was growing up around that age. My sister, who's 13 months younger than me, was quite into them. So a lot of it was going on in the background. Yeah. The favourite member? Ginger. Oh, okay. Yeah. She seems a bit sassy and uh, sassy. I, I like that attitude. Uh, sassy. Yeah, I, I, I actually got to meet Jerry Halliwell um, when she nice. had her solo single out and she did the best meet and greet I've ever seen in the entertainment industry. We, we were all on a boat on Sydney Harbour. It was for her first single, Look At Me, and she would be introduced to you by the record company person. She would lock eye contact with you. She would shake your hand, say something nice to you and for about 20 seconds, and then she would move on to the next person. So for 20 seconds, you thought you had her absolute undivided attention, and she just did that with about 100 people on the boat. She did, it was the best. I reckon the Queen can't meet and greet as well as Jelly Harrywell can. That's excellent. Even at, I mean, I'm so, how am I doing? Shit. Uh, I'm 28. And, like, I, from the age of, like, 12, would have given anything to meet Jerry Halliwell. So I'm very jealous of you. That just reminded me, yeah, because that means I've touched two members of the Spice Girls. (laughs) I'd forgotten about meeting Jerry. Who is your other member? Well, when Spice World, the movie, came out, I was working at Channel V doing the Rewind show at at Foxtel, and they hired a big Spice Girls-style double-decker bus and and delivered us out the front of the the main state theatre there. And, of course, everyone thought it was the Spice Girls getting out, and (laughs) and it was just a bunch of VJs from Foxtel. And we got out... but it was great. And then afterwards, I think Planet Hollywood was where the meet and greet was, and there yeah. they were, all of them. And they were all walking past, and I thought, okay. And I reached out, and I touched Posh Spice's arm. Oh, I touched, I touched most of her forearm. Did she wow. um, no, she didn't bruise, <laughs> but she was incredibly uh, – she was shorter than I thought and even thinner than you think she is. Wow. Yeah. See, that's that's the thing. Like, I, they, I, I don't think she was... Was she Beckham then? I don't think she was No, Beckham. she wasn't no, Beckham no, then. No, wasn't, yeah. It wasn't until, I mean, after the Spice Girls she was Beckham, was she? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Look, yeah. I just remember the whole thing that they, they have separate toilets in, in their bathroom. I think it's good so they can sit next to each other having a poo or a wee. I think that's strangely romantic. Of course. I don't know. A lot of plumbing involved. A lot of plumbing. You've got to be a good friend to talk between toilet stall walls. I mean... Hmm. Um, I am just so mind-numbingly jealous that you even got to see them in person and together and touch two of them because, like, aside from not having seen Paul McCartney, most of my top five in I Want to See Before I Die gigs I've seen. Or have sweated on you. Or have sweated on me, that's true. (laughs) But um, I've never seen Paul McCartney and I never thought there'd be a chance to see the Spice Girls because I was, what's, okay, 96 around that era, I was 10. Yeah, and and let me tell you, I'm not the kind of person that reaches out and touches celebrities. I don't, you know, I'm trying to be cool about that, you know. Um, I... Could have touched David Duchovny, and I didn't. And, of course, mm-hmm. who is his co-star on The X-Files? Gillian Anderson. Gillian Anderson, yeah. I got her autograph for my girlfriend and gave it to her. I didn't get one for myself because I only had uh, one shot. Yeah. yeah. So I kind of regret that a little bit. But, but yeah. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, uh, and, and that kind of thing. But it's up there, but I just had to touch the Spice Girls. Yeah, and, because, and, like, and come on, you listening, you would want to touch them. Of course they would. And, like, that's the thing. There was this weird kind of aura around them, like, during the mid-90s, mid to late 90s. There was this 
hype. I don't know. Maybe I thought I always thought it was because of my age at the time that they were my I don't know. They were my Justin Bieber. They were my Partridge Family. They were that particular thing that was huge. That was a group. But I don't know if you're that excited about them. Maybe there was a bit more of an aura. Uh, but but I, I I just enjoy I just enjoy a pop hoo ha. I love a pop hoo ha. Look look, Banana Rama. I love them as well. Still do. Got to meet them. Man, can they drink? Wow. I actually supported Banana Rama at the Metro. I was How did de- you, what did you do? I was, de- was DJing for them. And the great thing was that there was all these songs that they didn't sing. So when I came on after them, I was able to play the songs that they didn't sing during the <laughs> set. And people loved it. Easy gig. Would not have said Banana Rama. Well, you are talking about a group that is named after a cocktail. Is that what it's named after? Yes, a Banana Rama is a particular... I think it's... Uh, Let's have a look. I, look. I was just assumed it was vaguely sexual. Um, well, it could have that. So as double well. entendre. Yeah, because those girls dated well, if you know what I mean. Well, to your point before, like, uh, and I'm not saying uh, the Spice Girls are up there with the Beatles musically, but as far as a cultural phenomenon, phenomenon yeah, it was probably not quite to that level, but it was definitely up up there. Well, I mean, like that's. The I thing. mean, they had lunch boxes and lots of. Uh, Various paraphernalia that you could buy. It was. It wasn't just a couple of things. I have a scary spice doll. I have uh, two Spice Girls Polaroid cameras, which mm. now I can get the film for again. Although one yes. of them is in its box unopened, so I'm thinking, hey, eBay, yeah, um, yeah. And look, and and also, it's like all, all these bands that go on the uh, the talent shows would really like to be the Spice Girls. They yeah, would, they, they, would. they would really like to try and recreate that. But yeah. because the market's saturated like that. They were in the right place at the right time. Oh, fuck yeah. Mm. But will that sort of crazy popularity ever really happen again now? But it sort of did. Isn't that One Direction? I saw One Direction sheet quilt sets at Big W the other but, day. I don't know. It's got to be... Is that popularity of... And Spice Girls maybe aren't a good example of that, but like critically acclaimed and, you know, and popular everyone getting into it. Ooh, well, I don't know. You, I think you played the REM card there. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think. I think it's been a long time since anyone's played the REM card. Well, we're going to go a bit Danger Five here, and I'm going to read a cocktail recipe. Ooh, out to you let's now. go. Let's go. Um, okay, banana rama cocktail. Fill a shaker half full with ice cubes. Pour all the ingredients. Now the ingredients are vodka. Creme de banana, which is like a top shelf Vok thing. Creme de banana. Triple sec and cream. That goes together. So so you've got one ounce of cream de banana, half an ounce of vodka, triple sec, yeah, you know, and cream. And as anyone who has had a hangover with a cream cocktail will tell you, not the best. And actually, uh, I believe for Ab Fab, there's that famous scene in Ab Fab where they get out of the limo and one falls out and the other one falls out on top of her. (laughs) Um, uh, As Jennifer Saunders said that she saw that happen with Banana Rama. The first Banana Rama girl got out, fell into the gutter. The second one came out, fell onto her, and the third one came out, fell onto her. They were drunk. Excellent. And that's where she got that joke from. <laughs> and, and, and Patsy's loosely based on people in the advertising industry and members of Banana Rama. That is excellent. Because they did have, they only had to sing in unison. They did a lot of miming at the time. They were up for a laugh, and uh, you know, I'm, you know, I'm sorry we've diverted this from the Spice Girls, but the Banana. But you know, that's that's there's a strong link there. Oh my god, definitely a strong link. I mean, and as Bob Down, one of Australia's campus comics, said about Banana Rama, they are most, the most successful girl group in the world ever to sing completely in unison. Mm. 
and I think that's interesting. Yeah. I've never even thought of that, but yeah, I can I can hear that yeah, in my exactly. head right now. See, the Spice Girls are much better singers than the members in Banana Rama. Yeah, and I mean, uh, it, it ended up being Mel C that went on and had most of the least successful solo career, and that's that's kind of it's kind of fitting. She had the best voice of them all. Well, I won't hear a word against Baby Spice for oh, no, 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 her no. version of Downtown. Okay, is uh, is okay? Is, yeah, is kind of. Okay. I'm just talking about general success. Yeah, it no. ended up being Mel C, but I was always. I was always uh, Baby Spice or Ginger, depending on the mood. Um, uh, well, baby Spice, Ginger, or Posh Spice. I was never I Posh mean, the Spice. the word baby makes it hard to begin with. Yeah, really. exactly. Well, to well, say it's your favourite. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, Just because she looked quite young and, and, and baby fat. Well, just reeling it back down. Back down. Reeling it back down. I was 10, so... Yeah, that's true. And, and look, they were jumping around and carrying on, and I looked at some of their early performances on Top of the Pops. Yeah. Uh, where, where it was a Top of the Pops OB, and they were, and they were miming out on the beach or something pretty much I, I don't think I've ever seen any performance of them where they didn't seem to give 100% there yeah uh, Rama, not so much there's some great so great much. videos of uh, basically well they, they go around doing karaoke now because they work to their backing tapes and there's just the two of them really? and, and they were one of the acts that popped up in between the volleyball at the uh, at the London Olympics well, of course and, and, of course, and so w- <laughs> while they were while they were redoing the sand court they would play the Benny Hill theme and everyone would come out and smooth out the sand <laughs> And then before the game started, you, you get these iconic groups, and one of them was Banana Rama just popped up, right? Said Fred popped up. You oh, had them just wow. doing one song, you know. And England's a I place do to be doing. I know your it. love of Right Said Fred, though. Mm. Yeah, there's a great interview with uh, Right Said Fred at Maynard.com.au where I go through their complete career and and confront them with the fact that you know most people think that they're fat, overweight, broke, and on the dole. Far from it. They've got two houses in Spain. They've made more one more money from I'm Too Sexy since the song was released than they did at the time um, and, I, and I, I spoke to him about credibility and he goes well you talk about credibility but when I'm sitting with my accountant and he tells me that we've earned six million dollars in the last year from uh, synchronisation rights on our songs that's the kind of yeah, credibility it's the Gene I like. Simmons argument it's, it's, like, okay. Simmons it's argument. like okay what are you saying here yeah that's right look look um, you know um, uh, yes he's uh, it, Gene Simmons because that was my podcast last week with him and he someone described him as egotistical but forthright and I think that's a really good description of Gene yeah. Simmons yeah yeah, yeah like I I don't think he could be anything but forthright with the kind of career and kind of ego he has. I just, I, I, you know, I respect him more for putting it out there, his feelings and thoughts about his wealth. Well, let's get down to the knockdown drag out here. I, I've, got, I've obviously got to make the case for Can't Stop the Music. Well, no, before we get down to the no. knockdown drag out, because I think that it's important... to knock knockdown drag out. I think it's important... I was brought here on false pretenses. I was expecting <laughs> knockdown drag out. I think it's important because we've really well-sided the Spice Girls over the other because of my love of them, mm. that we really flesh out the village people talk a bit more because mm. I don't have a hell of a lot of experience with them apart from YMCA and... Well, that's true, but all, like uh, in the Navy. Those two songs, weddings, school discos, everything you've ever been to functions. Oh, yeah. Well, look, in the uh, look, uh, when I was in high school, coming out of high school, um, I remember I was at a high school party and someone said, you know, the village people, they're all, like, gay. And, <gasps> and I didn't believe the person. I mean, because no one 
that no one said, oh, that's a gay band. It was like they were just flamboyant performers doing stuff. And no Liberace one, was just theatrical. It, exactly. It was just, you know, just flamboyant and that kind of thing. So it never really occurred to anyone at the time and it was not really an issue because it, no one thought about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and they were put together in about 76 in New York City. I might have the year a bit wrong there. That's fine. Um, and they had a different lead singer who had a few issues that they kind of got rid of and changed up for the music, for the movie. Okay. Can't Stop the Music, which is original title title was Disco Land, Where the Music Never Stops. Yes. And the scripts were first delivered to the band. Not ba- quite as punchy. Not quite as Not punchy. Not quite as punchy. Yeah, it was, the scripts were first delivered to the band backstage uh, at uh, when they were doing a Madison Square Garden gig or something like that <laughs> in 78 or 79 or something. And David Hodo famously threw the script across the room and said, this is bullshit or something to that, uh, that effect. Uh, and... Basically, they, they were a really hot band. Disco was really big. Yeah. And when in the States, this movie could not have come out at a worse time. The disco bubble popped just before this movie was released. Oh. And they were locked into it. That they, they had already done a successful tour. I think if you play this grab, I'm talking to David Hodo here and he talks about the touring schedule they had. And he did once say to me that he didn't remember 1979 very well. And <laughs> I bring that up with him and uh, we have a chat to a few of the fans. So let's have a little bit of a, a chat with David Hodo when the village people were in Australia just a few years ago. For all of us that like sitting on the couch and eating the cheesels while we're looking at the television, what? how can we keep fit so we can dance around and do the wine? MCA for 33 bloody years. Well, if it's your, if it means a paycheck, you'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> My favourite quote from you, and I hope you don't mind me um, reminding you about this. I asked you once about 1979, I think, and you said, Maynard, I don't remember 1979 very well. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, I don't necessarily agree with everything I say. <laughs> 79, you know, they all start to blur after a while. 79 was, was a particularly hard year because we did our national tour of 46 cities in 54 days and went right into filming the movie. And it was really quite a hectic year. <laughs> it's the musical extravaganza that launches the 80s. It's Alan Carr's Can't Stop the Music. You know, it's funny, though, David likes to say that Can't Stop the Music is like that really bad haircut you had in high school in the yearbook that just never goes away. Yeah, people love village people. I mean, you go along to the show and it's older people, as you would expect. That's true. But it's generational as well. And they tour nine months of the year. They tour around the world all the time. For a band of that age, that's sweet. That's success. And And so are they releasing new records or is it... Like, this is a thing in time and we're just reproducing that. Well, this gets back to the fact that they were put together by uh, Jacques Morali and a bunch of other people. So they don't own the rights to their stuff. Their company is called The Six of Us, which is the touring company, but they don't own the rights to any of their music. They probably get some residual royalties from it. But they were mechanical, the fact that they sung it. Stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so basically their living is from the live performance. Oh. And they have done some new stuff over the years, some remixes. They do a few covers in their shows. Okay. Um, but, you know, they're, they're, pretty, they're a pretty polished show. Uh, at times can be a little bit too polished because you can tell that they've done the show a lot sometimes. Yeah. But... Um, and look, they they get a good bit of money. And I actually toured with them, and Culture Club and Shudo Echo in two thousand and one. What? Um, 
Yeah, we, they, they, they did an Australian tour and they said, yeah. would you like to emcee the Australian tour? Oh, yeah, who for? Village People, Culture Club and Shido Echo. Sure. And, and the great thing was Shido Echo had come on first and they hadn't been seen for a while in a few of the places around Australia and they did a quick half-hour set and I did something that really would annoy the promoters because the band would go off and all the people were screaming down the front, the ex-Shido Echo fans, and I'd bring the band back on again for a quick bow, Beatles style, before they yeah. ran off again, which would have taken about maybe a minute, but they, yeah. but they hated it. They hated the fact that we took that minute yeah. but but the fans love the whole thing yeah. it's great yeah and the village people guys that they were always fun and uh, you know they're a pretty intense bunch of guys to you know when they've been t- i mean you're looking at 30 odd years or so yeah. and one of their secret weapons in australia which uh, you guys might not know because you seem like people who might actually have a social life but <laughs> every new year's eve since uh, can't stop the music has been available as a movie it is played on channel nine in australia Ooh. every new really? year's eve without fail at various times. It is, there's not been one New Year's Eve where it hasn't been played. I did not know that, but the only time I've ever seen You Can't Stop the Music, and not even in its entirety, uh, has been on I, TV. I pick you up grammatically here. Uh, the village people are a collective verb, so it's not the village people, they're just village people. They're called that because they dress like people from Greenwich Village, so they're village people. The movie's called Can't Stop the Music, even though the refrain is you can't stop the music, so it's can't stop the music. Just a few grammatical things about the village people that even I have been <laughs> I've made mistakes of over the years. Okay. Um, can't stop the music. I the only time I ever saw that village people movie. I just had to figure out how to work that all into a sentence. Uh, was on TV, and I'm pretty sure it might have been Channel Nine. I don't know if it was New Year's Eve because I, I I don't know. Maybe I do have a social left. I'm not too sure, but oh, I have seen it before. Oh look, and uh, look, I brought the poster along here because I, you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm uh, you've got prop prop comics. I'm a prop interviewee. I always bring <laughs> stuff there, and just look at and look when you look at this movie. Um, now, it's a co-production between EMI. Now, Bruce Jenner? Bruce Jenner was in it. Um, you mean like Kardashian Bruce Jenner? That is correct. That's right. Mr. Kardashian himself. And he had just. this is just after he'd, he'd done the Olympic thing. He'd, he'd, he'd won the decathlon or whatever he had at the Olympics. Um, Steve Gutenberg. Steve Gutenberg. Yeah. And... Down here, the Ritchie family, they're a lot of cred there. Alan Carr, like Car- the, the family of Ritchie Rich. No, no, they were they, another successful disco act. They did Best Disco in Town was their biggest hit in Australia, but they were really sexy girls. And you can probably use a bit of this because it's up on SoundCloud. <laughs> people don't know this, but Triple J recorded Village People live at the Horden Pavilion in 1980, May 1980. Oh. I have a copy of that and I put the very, very uh, refrain at the end because they, they did an encore of Can't Stop the Music at the end and it's beautifully recorded. It's If you could imagine live at the wireless with village people and 10,000... 10, it was recorded at the Horton Pavilion, people screaming and they're going, yeah, Sydney, yeah! And it's like absolutely live. You've got the Richie family singing in the background. You've got live band, which yeah. I, I've never seen the village people with a live band. And it's a great recording. So if you look at Maynard Productions on SoundCloud, you'll find... Can't, uh, uh, can't stop the music, can't and stop the and music. it and it rips. Now, I don't know how much I can say, um, but I have spoken to people who were behind the scenes, and there was, um, oh, well, there was a lot of help to get the movie done. I mean, these guys had done forty six cities in fifty four days, and um, it was, you know, it was Casablanca Records, which had a reputation for um, things being delivered there and that kind of thing. And uh, and look, 
And it looks a little bit like some people are very, very keen in certain parts of the movie. <laughs> a little uh, bit too enthusiastic? Yes, it's fair, <laughs> fairly in, in, enthusiastic. So there were rumours about that which I wish not to comment upon at, at this point in time. Fair uh, enough. But, you know, the Spice World is not without controversy as well. They had to completely reshoot the Gary Glitter scene because they, they did the did. do you want to be in my gang bit and then, of course, it all broke about him and he had to be removed from the movie. Not the best time to be putting Gary Glitter in your movie. Well, you didn't know. No, of course. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's In a, hindsight. In hindsight, yes. But look, a bit more about the village people here. Like, 1979 was when the village people played the very famous Studio 54 in New York City. And David Hodo was a bit late for the gig. Now, in 1979, most gay guys, or a lot of gay guys in New York City, were dressing like the village people. They... They didn't start in a vacuum. Uh, Jacques Morelli saw gay guys at gay clubs in the village and that's what he based his band on. So here is David Hodo dressed like a construction worker at the front door of Studio 54, and you can imagine what the door policy was for there, telling them he's the construction worker from the village people and there would be a dozen other guys dressed exactly like the construction worker from the village people and he was not let in. Course. Felipe the Indian had to come and go, where's David? And he had to go to the door and pick him out from the other construction <laughs> workers. And I, I just, I've just got this scene of all these people dressed like the village people trying to get in the door. I'm, I'm the village people. No, I am. I am yeah, yes, Exactly. And, and that's a great story that uh, David Hodo once told me there. And Also, every time you say Hodo, I think you're saying Hodor. So David should... Hodo. H-O-D-O. Hodor. Mm. Hodor. Hodor. And... Uh, I am Groot. Sorry. And also, I also bring up in that interview uh, that we had a bit there, can, look, when you're thinking Can't Stop the Music, OK, you're thinking crappy disco film, hey, not alone, we, there was Car Wash was another yeah. crappy disco film, and it's a really crappy disco film. Is that film. where the working at the Car Wash song came from? That's, that's exactly where that came from. I have not car heard of Car Wash. wash. Oh, tell me yeah. about it. Well, the dis- you know working well, at the Car Wash? I don't know Did you never see that crappy DreamWorks movie Shark Tale? You've worked no. at Hungry Jacks. I wish there was a disco movie about Hungry I Jacks. at Car Wash as well. Really? Yeah. Oh, not at a well, Car Wash. I'm learning new things about you. Well, it's almost it's pretty much a black exploitation movie in some ways because it's everyone's working at the Car Wash in the bad area of town uh, there's a great thing where someone goes into the toilets and locks them and they're, and they're doing their ironing and they're washing and all that sort of stuff and there no one can go into the toilet all day and they just cut into what that person's doing and they're making cocktails getting a washing machine going it's great and the whole day builds up to them going to the disco at night and the movie ends with everyone driving off from the car wash to go to the disco so we never actually go to the disco, which brings me to the other great crappy disco film. When are we going to get to the fireworks factory? Sorry. Um, well, there's a car wash story in a moment, though. It, the great thing about uh, Thank God It's Friday mm. is that uh, one for the ladies there. Oh, I'm trying to go on. What's his name? Um, hang on. I, I first encountered him and thought he was a sex god in The Fly. Mm. Jeff Goldberg. Jeff, Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum, very young Jeff Goldblum in Thank God It's Friday. The movie starts with all these people at their jobs and there's a dental nurse who's just been doing some dental nurse stuff. 
pops on a pink wig and starts getting stuck into the nitrous oxide gas and then gets the pills out of the desk and leaves for the disco. And there's some scene you can see people sniffing amyl in the background of the shots. There's bits where guys cut in to dance with other guys and the girl moves out the way. There's lots of sight gags in that and there is drugs riddled all the way through it. That's awesome. There is a character called the Leather Man who has this great line, dancing, everything else is bullshit. And um, <laughs> and it's kind of, it's it's a great Funny. movie and, and, and Jeff Goldblum is just great. He's a, the, the, the running gag, spoiler alert, of course, because I know everyone's going to run and watch Thank God It's Friday, but there were so, <laughs> so many great lines in it. And he's got this immaculate Porsche which he parks in a special part of the car park. And through the whole movie, little things happen to it, like someone accidentally kind of bumps into it a bit and then just drives away. And so by the end of the movie, all these things have happened to his car and he just takes the cover off his car and the car just completely falls apart because everyone's <laughs> fucked it up all over the night. Yes. Yeah, so, and he is a very evil character in that. Uh, you've got Lionel Richie turns up with the, rest of, Richie. With the rest of the Commodores. Dancing on the ceiling. Yeah, and I would have you know that this movie won the Academy Award for Best Song the year it came out because Donna Summer sang Last Dance and it won the Academy Award for Best Song that year. Man, the things that get buried. Uh, well, perhaps not without good reason. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, so, so when you compare Can't Stop the Music to Thank God It's Friday or Car Wash, it doesn't look so bad. Okay, and we've got to compare uh, Can't Stop the Music to Spice World mm. in just a moment, but my reference point for Jeff Goldblum has always been Jurassic Park. Oh. I don't know why. Jurassic Park and The Simpsons. You do know why. <laughs> oh, I do know why. It's because I watched a lot of Jurassic Park and The Simpsons. <laughs> but... Um, What's your car wash story? I'm really yeah, dying to hear. This better beat, better beat the one in the movie. I really feel like we're going to hear some sordid secrets here. Oh, well, this, the story is different to me working at the car wash. Okay. But um, the story of the car wash that's mildly amusing, maybe I built it up too much, was I was walking home down the road just up here along Maitland Road. And there is a car wash there. There is. There is indeed. And uh, if anyone's watched Kirby Enthusiasm... There is the season where Larry and Ben Stiller and that go into to business with the restaurant yep. and the restaurant gets built. And then at the end of that season, there's the scene where they're all swearing and the, you know, the line comes up, you car wash cunt. And I was walking past with, um, with Mrs. Pointy and we were laughing about it. And I was like, oh, you car wash cunt. And like, was just saying it to her. And then all these people that were like working, washing on cars just stared at me. And I was like, oh my God, these Not guys. You. I was Not like, you. I was like, these guys are massive. They're going to kill me. They're going to kill me. They're going to kill me. I just put my head down and walked as fast as I could. It's a line. I was doing a bit. <laughs> yeah. I was like, as if that's going to work. If they come up to me, and I'm like, oh no, it was just a joke. Oh, it's about this TV show. And uh, this is have, what happens. And... Have you seen Curb? Uh, yeah. I don't know if that would have helped. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm just having a look here. Um, car Wash deals with the exploits of a close-knit, multiracial group of employees in the Los Angeles car wash in an episodic fashion. It covers a full day during all which a manner of strange visitors make a cameo appearances, none of which, if I said their name, you would even know them. Oh, there is one of the Pointer Sisters in it. There you go. I feel like, though, if you, if you made that movie again these days, it would be a Seth Rogen, James Franco production. Oh, yeah, oh, definitely. Like, you, yeah. No, you, you, just, you just wouldn't do it like it was done. No, nah, no, nah, it would be a, a thousand ways to die in the car wash. It'd be <laughs> exactly. <laughs> which, by the way, I've got the mail that uh, the, the cameo scene with the Back to the future thing is completely wrong. He's got the wrong DeLorean in that scene. Oh. He's got the DeLorean that doesn't have Mr. Fusion in it. He's oh. got the early DeLorean and they had the DeLorean Mr. Fusion was the one that he had when it, in uh, 3. Was in that back quick? I can't say I noticed. Oh, but isn't there a bit where he opens a door and, there, and there's Doc 
with the back. That's of the future. true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, the Back to the Future car is a completely wrong car. It's a car from the first movie, not the third movie. Yeah. And uh, the year that it's set in is eighteen ninety two, and Doc was back in eighteen ninety five. And we're talking thousand ways to die in the West. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. So there's a few little mistakes there that people have picked up on. But me, I, I wouldn't care. I'd, I'd just go yay if I saw him there. That was <laughs> it. Was pretty exciting. Yeah, and and also look, they had, they had an amazing impact on the charts. And here in Australia, see, like well, I said, people are dark. Uh, uh, well, both. Yeah. <laughs> well, like I said, disco broke. They had they had the big burning of disco records. I think records at Candlestick Park or something. They had a ba- <laughs> they had a baseball game, and they said, if you have got a disco record, bring it. And and everybody brought their disco records, and they and they had a death of disco night, and that's pretty much where the whole thing took off. Um, and in some ways, it was a bit misogynistic too, because a lot of disco stuff was was female artists yeah. and was was not cock rock. So in some ways, the death of disco thing, I can understand why people didn't like it, because you know. Also, you spend money on those records. Don't go burn them. Keep them. You might own them later. I know. Ex- Collect them. Exactly. Well, what about if those people that burnt those Beatles records had kept them? Hey. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that happened, and. So Can't Stop the Music did terrible box office in America. It then They then had to do a tour of uh, Europe. And Alan Carr, being the complete showman that he was, you know, the whole thing was the village people would arrive... Oh, I said it myself. Village people would arrive at the airport and they'd all get a separate uh, limousine for each one of them that was like, you know, the biker would have one that was a bit biker. And, and this happened all the way through Europe. But, of course, the movie didn't do very well and they knew that they had a, a bit of a, a hard time ahead of them. When they came to Australia, hello, the movie did very well in this country. They shut George Street for the opening night party. Yes. Now, the, on, the only time since then that George Street... Is has been shut and it has since then but the next time George Street was shut after 1980 for Can't Stop the Music was the opening of Planet Hollywood in the 90s uh. so yeah no not the same and apparently I've, speaking to, I've spoken to a lot of gay guys who went to that party and it was awesome apparently it, 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 was, it, was, it was gay royalty at that party and people, people, people still talk about it to this day that's amazing yeah well, I would just like to say just that burning anything en masse <laughs> is never going to end well yeah, and is never a good thing. <laughs> well, no, no, what's that thing? Yes, what's that? Uh, yeah, that famous uh, phrase from the German philosopher where they burn disco records, they will eventually burn people. I think, I think that, that, isn't that, isn't that the phrase? I think so, but we were talking the. Um the Morrissey phrase that he uh, spouted at a gig that I uh, smell burning mm. flesh. I hope to God it's human. Mm. So uh... um, I just want one of those T-shirts he's got there. If you, <laughs> if you kill animals, I will kill you with Morrissey underneath it and small. I've got a Morrissey T-shirt from his Dagenham Dave album yeah. that, that's done like a football jersey. It's a Morrissey football jersey. It's oh, like I you're playing that. for the Morrissey team. It's great. And that's probably my favourite Morrissey song, but no one else like it. Dagenham Dave, Dagenham Dave, oh... Dagenham Dave. I mean, really, that's a chorus worthy of Bob Down or, or even the Spice Girls themselves. And oh, here's a grab from a Spice Girls bit of a rarity. The B-side of one of their singles, they uh, were short songs, so they thought it was coming up towards Christmas that they would do a cover of the... Dagenham wait- Dave. The, well, if only. Um, a cover of uh, The Waitress's Christmas Wrapping, which is at... Uh, and here's a little bit of that. It's the Spice Girls, which you don't hear very often, doing their seasonal favourite Christmas wrapping. By the waitresses, you'd normally hear this. I gotta say, I, I'm very familiar with that, and it's, ooh, it's um, it's something. It's questionable. I don't know. You sound like you were traumatized by it. Then. Well, 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 it does sound like the arrangement was done with a lot of MIDI. 
a lot of midi. Mm. I, 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 midi's being there's, generous there, here. There's no, re, uh, no real drums or guitar anywhere near that, I suspect. No, but like, okay, so let's get on to comparing these midis because, like, to, we, we're selling this past guy short in saying, like, it's, it's like, I wish it was midi because they did have a lot of budget in certain areas, You're both right. wardrobe, songwriting, and the Spice World movie. <sighs> I remember the first time I went to see that. Was like one of the only experiences. How many times did you go to see it? I think I went to see it like three times at the movies. Wow! And and being at the opening when they introduced it was just and, and I kept, look here. Here's that Beatle comparison again. I reckon it owes a lot to the Beatles movie Help. Yeah. It's very much like that mucking yeah. and mucking around thing, you know. And it very much and, is. And Roger Moore's in it. Roger Moore is it? It's, but oh my has god! Two and adjectives as a name or something <laughs> like that. Roger, it's like a command. Roger Moore, okay. <laughs> I love that. You know, yeah. But there was a heap of guest stars in that. Who else was in that? There was. Oh, um, well, I'm my... pretty sure Elton John was in that. Mm, um, Richard yeah. E. Grant played a role in that. Meatloaf was in that. Uh, Richard E. Grant is fantastic. But my favourite cameo is Richard E. Grant's at the bar talking to one of the girls. Well, you know, things just sometimes don't work out. Careers don't last in music. Elvis Costello comes up and goes, can I get you a drink, sir? And he's, yes. he's, the, he's the barman, and I love that. That's all he's got in it there. Um, Roger Moore has that great line, leave the pigeons alone. Yeah. I'm not quite sure why. They were saying, Let, let's put the cat among the pigeons. No, leave the pigeons alone. And he's got this James Bond stuff, and he's actually shaking his cocktail, not stirring it in one scene. And he goes, well, when the... When the what's it, when the bat flies at midnight, that's when we'll see whose pants are there. Yes. And Richard E. Grant's got okay, right, okay, yes. And Barry Humphreys was in that too. Barry wasn't Humphreys he? plays the Rupert Murdoch role quite clearly. Yes. That's what's going on there. And who was who was the photographer in the toilet with the bald head? Who was oh. was that Richard O'Brien? It could have been. It could. I have this odd feeling that Richard O'Brien, famous creator of Rocky Horror. I mean, is... you, you, you just know if he got whiff of it, he'd want to be in on it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm um, looking here. Uh, meet love Barry Humphreys. Richard O'Brien as Damien, a paparazzi photographer who, hey! takes, who takes pictures and recordings of the girls. That's right. And and leading to that line, well, um, is the Pope a Catholic? And then they have to do the, yeah. thing, the whole thing. Well, of course he's a Catholic, you know. And, you know, as someone who's been taken literally or figuratively far too many times, I know how they feel. But Can't Stop the Music is... Let's let's do it the let's give it the wine and cheese test here. Okay, all right. If you're having people over and you're having a few wine and cheese, um, obviously the first episode of Twin Peaks is the one to go with. But if you haven't got that and it's not a musical anyway, um, uh, there's a lot of music in it. But there's a lot of music. It's not a musical. And look, I for one am a little bit chill. a chill went down my spine when I thought they were bringing Twin Peaks back. Yeah. But then I remembered, uh oh, the second season. No one ever mentions that the second or season. The movie. Well, it's not talked about much. Yeah. Movies. Uh, Firewalk Walk with Me, good. And Mulholland Drive, that was him too, wasn't it? Yeah, that's mm. good. But the movie, not so great. And the second season, drawn out. And you're thinking, okay, if you thought the second season of Twin Peaks was drawn out, what are you going to feel like if they bring it back? I mean, yeah, they could they could be milking it too much. That that concerns me. But God, it'll be a prequel to the prequel. That's right. But, uh, but uh, Agent Cooper, he's hot. And the before fact we that- walk right over the Twin oh, Peaks sorry, cliff. Okay, right. Sorry, because um, I I could I could mine you on that topic, but um, mm, I'm sorry. Yeah, because I I had great Twin Peaks parties. <laughs> you have a great Twin. There's a few signifiers that are in the first episode of Twin Peaks, and every time that thing is mentioned. Just make sure that you have that on the table in front of all the people and you just have a great night. I remember I hadn't seen you in ages and I think like uh, in the first week we'd um, we'd seen each other in a while. I think we had that conversation. I'm like, wow, good party. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I'm hoping that, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that, that can happen again. But yeah. I mean, look, yeah, look, as with... I have to come down on the side of village people because 
Yeah. There are things in there that are just really culturally inexplicable now. E.g. And you'd be watching, oh, well, everyone seems to be openly doing drugs um, in the background. Not something you find in the Spice Girls movie. And, and there's jokes about, well, there, there, there's actually a, a dope smoking scene at a party and everyone goes, and there's great lines like, you better get used to us. You better get used to it. There's lots of things you're going to have to get used to in the 80s is one of the lines. And sexual freedom is one of the things drug freedom is hinted at. Uh, you know, uh, Same-sex relationships being normal is also hinted at as well. A lot of people say it's the elephant in the room in that movie, but I, I guess you could watch it and not think the guys were gay, I guess. Um, well, as I mentioned, Liberace, people yeah, didn't think and, he was gay for and, a very long time. And I guess if I'd gone along to the movie, I just would have thought it was a bunch of flamboyant people as well. Well, yeah. But it is it is a hoot of a movie, um, and it is a lot of fun to watch, pointing and laughing around the. What, what I'd really like would be the, uh, the the track where they talk about the movie. I'd like the guys to talk about the, the uh, director's commentary. Director's commentary. Direct, director's commentary. Yeah, I think from now's perspective, from a perspective in 2014, and also Arlene Phillips, who was the uh, she was the choreographer for. Hot gossip dancers, and she was also the choreographer for all the dancers on top of the pops, and the choreographer for the girls on the Kenny Everett show. If that means anything to you guys at all, it does not. It does. Okay, if anyone out there about my age knows the Kenny Everett show and the hot, dance, hot gossip dancers that are on that, Arlene Phillips did the choreography. She did that for Can't Stop the Music, and boy, yeah, it, it certainly shows. But the director of this movie is, I can't understand how this director got it. I this she. The only thing I knew her for before this was there was a show called Macmillan and Wife, which was like Columbo, and she was the housekeeper on that show, and she was the director of the movie. I don't know how she got to... I, I don't know what she directed for or Where since. Um, Nancy Walker. Nancy Walker. Nancy Walker. Um, yeah, um, I don't know. And, and there are some shots that are reasonably static that shouldn't be. The, <laughs> the YMCA scene um, where they're all in the bathhouse and you can actually see dicks. There are dicks in the background. Um, dicks in the bathhouse. Yeah, you can actually see dicks in the background. And some of them have soap suds on top of them, but in this world of high definition, it is really obvious. Like we, wow. we, like, like, like we used to show the clip on the Rewind show and we'd go, is that what it... And we'd go back to it and, yep, there you are. There, there was a, there's, there's dicks in the YMCA scene, yep. song being the legendary party school disco song it is the uh, members of the band thought that that is the stage where they had perfected the three minute 30 jingle and then they think that's a great example of a jingle that has been turned into a song yeah. you make anyone in the world sing that fucking song yeah they're reasonably enduring mainly those two songs but are, are we ready for maynard's boring village people story number 27 <laughs> let's do it I, I supported the village people in 2010, I think, at the Enmore Theatre with the Mad Club. 
And part of the Mad Club show, and we were asked to do this, was and was we used to throw baked beans around. And I like you know, preference that by it. We were asked to do this. It's okay. Yeah. Well, and and I didn't really think. And I threw baked beans out to the crowd, and you know, and we're talking about a handful splattered across an entire theatre. It's not exactly. Bizarre. And man, did we get complaint? People wanted the dry cleaning and everything. Someone said he attacked me. What, what you were hit with a baked bean, you know? It, it, <laughs> exactly, it, it's, and it's just really weird. It was like it was like at the Mad Club, we used to um, run a lawnmower through the cr- crowd, uh, smash a television with a baseball bat, and blow up letterboxes with crackers on stage. You know, um, so things have changed a bit since the nineties. You really can't injure people the way you used to back in the day. You got hit by a baked bean, you form a formal complaint. That, that's right. Yes, and um, and. Get this, uh, yeah. I, no, I actually can't. No, I can't. That's that's a bad story. But that's fine. I was almost going to yeah. say this. T- the title of this um, and, and the village people are coming back next year. They'll be was, ba- they'll be back in February in Australia. Yep, they'll be back in February next year, and I'm, I'm pushing to do the support again. I was almost going to say the title of this podcast should be "You Really Can't Injure People Like You Could Back in the Day." <laughs> mm, that's right. <laughs> um, you know, people just get really uppity now. Yeah. When you smash plates on stage, you know, it, it's up online. If you go to the main. Uh, YouTube channel, which is actually D-O-X-I, Doxy1, that's me. There. Um, you see, you'll see what we did. Um, that people would smash watermelons on my head, then they would get a high-pressure hose and hose me off the stage. And if you happen to be at the side of the stage, you would get hosed off too. And <laughs> if you aren't having a food fight while you're DJing, you're not a real DJ. <laughs> But this was you don't, this you was, don't wake up with baked beans in your hair and this you're doing with, something wrong. I can't believe how we did it with records. How did we do that with records without jumping and destroying the records? I don't know how we did it. Anyway, which one's a better movie, people? I don't know if this... I, this is, I can't remember when, when the last time we discussed the verses is, but to be honest, I quite think it's... I'm going to say they're equal, and I only love the Spice Girls more because... It's a generational thing. It's the time it came out, you know. The Spice Girls movie is the Can't Stop the Music of 1997, was it? It's about right. right. And, look, you know, it is a bit unfair to compare them, but I think it is good to bring them both up And because there are some funny scenes in in both movies. Uh, There's some cultural things in in this that... In probably in the in the Spice Girls movie, even now might look a bit weird. It might be dated yeah. now. They'd be, I mean, their fashion would certainly look really odd. That's for sure. It's still hot though. Oh look, it's still hot, and you know, and I'll, I'll probably go home and, and watch it again, and probably watch a documentary on there and everything. And now, actually, did you say which was your favourite Spice Girl? Ginger. Ginger. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, right. Yeah, I'll just check it. I was always baby or ginger, but the voice Mel C. Oh my god. I will say around that time, like nationalism seemed to be a big thing in the in the UK. Britain. Yeah. Girl yeah. power. Yeah. yeah. Well, because uh, we were post Brit pop at this stage, were we? So we were yeah. post post Oasis, post Blur. First album, I think we we're in the midst of, but second album, yeah, post Oasis, post Blur. Noel Gallagher yeah. was probably still sporting those yeah. Uh, yeah. Union Jack guitars. Oh, no, I was always a Blur guy, really. I, came I down, was always a Blur guy. I came down on the side of Blur every time because just... We've done some horrible renditions of um, Country House. Oh, Which, which, which they were embarrassed about, but I quite liked that Benny Hill style, style film clip. Yeah, going around the big Monopoly board, whatever it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, look, and, and what, what's his great great quote from uh, Damon Albarn? That Damon Albarn. Damon yeah. Albarn, yeah. Um, it was like, uh, it's like... A blizzard of cocaine, and I'm in the middle of it with my mouth open. I see the memories of the great, great quote from him, and um, and and it's interesting that the uh, I was told the price of cocaine in the UK has not changed since then. Really? Yeah, which means that, that which me. means it's either getting cut more and more, or there is some sort of drug control going on, or someone's looking looking after it in the background there. 
It seems to be less of a prominent thing, though, from what I'm seeing in media. Maybe it's just more hidden. Maybe people don't want to talk about it as much. And I did read that in the Face magazine. I remember one of the Face magazines before it shut down was Spice Girls on the front cover, which I've got. Well, that's like talking about things being more open and hidden. Like, so in what year did Can't Stop the Music come out again? Came out in 1980, was made in 1979. 1979, 1980, in film and TV, it wasn't such a cool thing to be openly gay, but it is one of the most openly gay camp films, and there, as you said, is dick in it, and it's, <laughs> like, how did something like that get, it, it, it's, it's the whole Liberace syndrome, it's, it's, it's just flamboyancy, it's yeah, not gay. It was just yeah. a policy of don't ask, don't tell. And yeah, like, if you what? release it these days, you know, it's got to be a certain... Remember who made it? Alan Carr, Greece. Greece. So he would have had so much cachet, they would have gone, how much money do you want to write on this check, Alan? They would have said to him. And uh, he'd, he'd had a winner with everything. Disco was riding high at the time. Yep. Uh, in fact, there's even that episode of uh, American Dad where uh, the alien goes back in the past and re-releases all the old disco records <laughs> and, and he forgets that they'd actually stopped at a certain time and disco became unpopular. That's one of my favourite episodes of Family <laughs> uh, uh, But, yeah, uh, it, it's really good Fun film, and so, and so Spice World. So could we have a tie? Maybe could I declare a tie? Will I, I, gotta cl- will, will I annoy Spice Girls fans by saying that? No, I, I'll easily declare a tie because I can see them as entirely compar- comparable. You know, Spice Girls were, I mean, controversially, the village people of their time. Uh, it was very much time a time for a girl band, a time for that kind of thing to happen again. It was. Here's an interesting point. Was there ever any same sex hinted at or controversy with any of the Spice Girls? No. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just. I'm not, I'm not saying it's compulsory. I'm just. Wondering. I don't think if there was. Drawing comparisons, I thought was there anything? Yeah. No, yeah. I, I really don't think there was. Ah, okay. Yeah, just thought I'd bring that one up there. So that's chalk one up for the village people, and that. For <laughs> <laughs> village people. Diversity, not, village people. <laughs> diversity equals village people. Oh my god! Definitely diversity equals village people. Just look at the costumes. I mean, the costumes as opposed to the personas, as opposed to the Spice Girls versus village people. There was definitely a lot more variety in the village people. There is an album. more likely to fight with each other, though. True. Oh. Well, there is a album called Can't Stop the Music by Jacques Morel, who he did the... Uh, you can't he, stop the Well, he did the, uh, the music in between all those songs. It's, ah. it's piano music that's on an album somewhere. I've actually got it, and it's pretty interesting stuff. It's fairly camp and flamboyant in the Liberace kind of fashion. And it's very interesting that there's I'm I'm the singing dancer is a great track and, and I like playing that. It's good background music for reading the weather or something. Okay, <laughs> I need to look this up. Now. You you need to look it up. It's 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 pretty obscure and people would wonder what it was doing in your collection if they saw it. To be quite honest, I've got to say the album of music in between the songs in "Can't Stop the Music" by the Village People would be a reasonably obscure album. Well, let's let's say when when you're talking incidental music, the, <laughs> in, the incidental music that wasn't on the soundtrack of a musical is usually not ever released, but Jacques Morali really... And I remember showing this to the members of the band backstage and they, were, they, didn't, they didn't know that he even released this. And they said, <laughs> well, they said, wow, because he really wanted to be known as a performer as well. He died of, I think, uh, I think he died of HIV-related disease in, in the early, late 80s or something. I, th- I think. I, I could be wrong about that. I know, I know he's no longer with us, yeah. Um, very little of the cast of, if any of the cast of Greece were in Greece too, right? Yes, and was Alan Carr involved? Alan Carr, I don't know if he was involved, but he really, really wanted for the male lead in that movie. 
Tom Cruise. Oh. And the studio would not have him. They went, nah, he's too short, doesn't look right. And, and that would have been Tom Cruise's first movie, but no, didn't get it. And also, he wanted Olivia Newton-John to be in Can't Stop the Music, but she had a much better project to go on with. Got to be Xanadu, right? Xanadu, yeah. Uh, and whether that was a much better project, I don't know. We could have a debate about that. Sure. Much, Definitely much more endearing music. It could be like a triple threat we could do. <laughs> well, look, Can't look, Stop the Music, Spice World versus... Oh. And I'd still end up with Spice, uh, Spice World for the win, but, you know, I'll, I'll take a tie purely because of the generational tie. Look, I think there's a generational thing where we haven't got the universal decoder here to decode the cultural references, and I think mm. that's the only problem we've got. But I, 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 I would recommend it to the, the, the young folk out there to give Can't Stop the Music a go, even if you want to forward pass through the dialogue and just go with the music, the, the songs, because they're kind of fun songs. It is a fun song from a fun group, and when they perform on stage... Now, 30 years later, or 31 or 32 years later, I mean, look, yeah, hang on, eight, eight, yeah, look, yeah, 34 years later, let's just say that again, 34 years later, wow, that's amazing. Um, I remember the Theatre Royal in Hunter Street had it playing there for ages when there was a Royal Theatre in Hunter Street. Lots of people in the Newcastle area would have gone to see it at the drive in, and lots of people around Australia would have gone. It was a classic drive in movie, really. And there are a lot of people especially of the Spice World generation, that would go village people. But, my God, everyone dances to YMCA at some point in their life. Everyone dances to In the Navy at some point in their life. It's still a popular thing, whether you want to admit it or not. And, again, I recommend you get on SoundCloud and have a listen to Village People Live in May 1980 at the Horton Pavilion to a crowd of 10,000 people, a lot of them school kids, a wide range of people just going nuts. And you can hear the crowd going nuts. You can hear them um, just exhausted at the end of a very long tour but having a great time in Sydney. Well worth a listen. I can't and, wait and, to hear it. And, and, and even at the end you hear the uh, uh, Ray Simpson, the lead singer, go see our movie. Like that. <laughs> and it's a bit like, please. Somebody. <laughs> well, they had no problem with that in Australia. It, it, um, it, it certainly made back whatever investment was made on it in Australia but I, I think overall the movie lost The Australian money. dollar probably wasn't that strong. Nah, <laughs> probably, wasn't, probably wasn't that strong and, you know, and, and a, a great fun film. But, you know, points to Spice World. All right, so we've definitely declared a tie here and we should probably wrap that tie up into a bow right now. And I'll just... Okay, so favourite Spice Girl versus favourite Village People. If Celebrity Deathmatch, the stop-motion TV show, was still a thing. Felipe Rose, the Indian from Village People, is a, a guy who's larger than life. If you could imagine a younger more flamboyant Molly Meldrum with an Indian headdress, that is Felipe. He, I, oh, my I, God. He, quite possibly the best description of anything I have ever heard. He, <laughs> he's, he, 34 years later, he's still buff. He really looks after himself. You'd have to. He knows how to party. As you heard in that grab when I was talking to David Hodo, where I said, how do you... Hodor. How do you guys keep it up for 34 years? And as he casually said, well, if there's a, if there's a paycheck involved. And, yeah, so they all keep themselves quite fit because it's really gruelling to tour like that. And, uh, yeah. and nobody Flip wants over. to see a fat village, people. Yeah, and, you know, and, and you know, 34 years later, that, that's a possibility. Very true. And, and of course, favourite Spice Girl, oh, gee, because oh, I touched both of them. I, I, I'm going to have to go with Jerry. I'm changing. I'm going with Jerry. 
Jerry was always the most controversial, the most fiery. She had a decent amount of lines. She hung out with uh, George Michael, where she had a decent amount of lines. She <laughs> did hang out with George Michael a bit. And, you know, points for that as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and, and for that eye contact, the 20 seconds I had with her and close second Posh Spice and then maybe Baby Spice for her version of Downtown. It's more than I, it's more contact than I ever had with her. Like that, oh, God, seriously. The first time I went to see it, it was sold out and I had to come back. There was just the, like crowds of people. So I think it was actually the cinema at Glendale and it, the whole floor was full of people sitting down and camping out to see this movie. I've never seen anything like that. And spoiler alert, everyone seems to forget that they get blown up at the end. They do! Yes, everyone forgets that bit, you know. And I of course, the movie has such a sense of humour. And, like, with all the guest stars involved, you know, there are a lot of people who respected the Spice Girls, so, so should you. Oh, exactly. If Roger Moore's got anything to do with it, I'm on board. Roger Moore. <laughs> Roger Moore. It's like Dick Gently. Roger <laughs> Moore. <laughs> Perfect. I think that's a good place to wrap it up, Tony. I agree. And of course, uh, can I point people towards my Village People? I did a Can't Stop the Music special the week after I supported the Village People, in which you'll hear all about the controversial <laughs> baked bean throwing incident. We read the complaints that I got on my website out. And uh, I'm envious. I only wish we could be able to have a section where we could read out our complaints. We'll get there. We'll yeah. get there. Well, we've got two sections. That's crank mail where people write to us and recriminations where we get corrected. <laughs> they each have different themes. But, yes, that's maynard.com.au or just put village people, can't stop the music, Maynard in there, and you, and it's got all the nice village people songs there. I talk to the guys in the band. And, and that's a, a good general place to find most of your stuff as well? It is indeed, yeah. Have a look around there. Or, and you, it's Maynard's Malaise on iTunes. That's Maynard's Malaise on iTunes, and you get all 70 shows and you can delete them at your will. Subscribe. Yes, thank you. Subscribe. Mm. And if for some reason someone's uh, got this cranking in their car and you happen to be crossing the road and hear that and think, where can I find more splitting cases? Yeah, where can can I find more splitting cases? I was was driving through the Mayfield Caliphate on the way here and someone yelled that. Well, I think that's what they said. (laughs) How can they find that? Uh, I can probably head to splittingcases.com. You can find links to all sorts of various shit that we have so please check that out and you, but, you guys should start putting your cover art up because many times i've been listening to what you've been doing and i really wanted to see a photo of what was going on well we'll have to take a photo of the three of us yeah, in a moment so we will commit to doing that this is one of the times when i'm okay with people seeing what's going on some of them probably you know almost you don't need a photo but yeah definitely check out maynard stuff uh we totally recommend it so uh thanks for listening guys hey. Hey.